You're listening to the Dan Grosser Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN. He is the great Brian Geltzeiler. BG, great to catch up again, my friend. How are you? Good, Danny. How you doing, pal? Doing great, my friend. Thanks for a couple of minutes tonight. Appreciate it, as always. Oh, um, always let's start. pleasure, brother. Thanks, buddy. Let's start with the Knickerbockers. Uh, they've obviously gone above and beyond shedding cap space in the last week to where now they are positioned to get the guy they want in Jalen Brunson. First and foremost, uh, do you agree with this method of team building that Leon Rose and company have taken forward here this summer? Well, it, you know, listen, I think we have to see where he goes before we tell you if we agree or disagree. I, I don't mind you know, targeting a guy that you think is going to fit very well in your program. And they think Jalen Brunson is going to fit very well in the program. And this is independent of whether they keep Julius Randle or not. I personally think he fits very well with Randle. The thing you got to remember about Brunson is, you know, Luka Doncic in Dallas has the ball in his hands a lot. And Brunson plays a lot off the ball. Julius Randle for the Knicks likes to have the ball in his hands. He likes to initiate offense. He likes to bring it up. And part of the problem is that he holds the ball for too long. But if you look at Brunson, there were two players in the NBA last year. Chuck Cooperstein, the radio play-by-play guy at Dallas Maps, tweeted this to me earlier tonight. And it's a great stat if you want to understand who Jalen Brunson is. Two guys in the league this year shot 50% from the field, over 37% from three, and over 84% from the free throw line this year. Kevin Durant and Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson can flat-out shoot the basketball. And the fact is the Knicks did not have enough shooting last year. They let one of their better three-point shooters and Reggie Bullock and one of their best perimeter defender go. It was an enormous mistake for them. And they really, frankly, never recovered from it. And when you factor in that Bullock was Randall's best friend on the team and Randall's attitude was decisively different without Reggie there than it was with Reggie there, you look at all those things and realize what Brunson can bring to this team and the role he can play. Listen, I, I think he's a very good fit here. So when I look at how Rose is doing this, you know, it, he was able – think about what Leon Rose is able to do. He had four expiring deals this year because they have team options in the third year. So it's Rose, it's Noel, it's Burks, and it's Walker. He actually gained first-round picks by trading out of 11, and there wasn't a player there that he wanted at 11. The two guys that they were looking for were both gone by the time they came to that point. He mm-hmm. actually gained first-round picks. They were a net plus two, Dan, in first-round picks, and were able to get off the three bad contracts because Rose at $14 million for one year is not a bad contract. The three bad contracts they were able to get off of only sacrificing second-round picks. That's a heck of a job by Leon Rose. If he gets his guy, great. If he doesn't get his guy, you have cap space in a situation where most good teams, no good teams in the league have cap space, and only five other teams in the league have really any kind of meaningful eight-figure cap space at all. So the Knicks have put themselves in a very good position regardless. Will it bear fruit? We have to see what happens there. But I think Rose in the last week's done a really, really good job of putting them in the position to do what he wants to do with this team. And you know something, BG? Like, people were killing them for including the first-round pick last week when they shed the Kemba contract. But let's not forget, I mean, Boston did the same thing when they tried to move that deal. They had to attach a pick. And I have no problem with admitting you made a mistake, cutting your losses. And, yes, it's less than $10 million we're talking about, but if you want to move on from a mistake that you made in the past in hopes of making it better, I don't care that they gave up a pick to send Kemba Walker packing, right? No, not at all. Listen, Dan, you know, you and I talk enough that you knew from day one that they signed Kemba Walker, I felt like it was a massive, massive error. It was a move that was rooted in sentimentality 
instead of what he was going to do on the basketball court. They were able to actually think about everything that they did. They threw in four seconds, and yes, they did essentially have to trade that 11 pick to get the first to be able to do it, and they had traded for the Jalen Duran pick, and they sent it there. They wanted to be off Walker's money. This was a way to get off Walker's money, but because they were willing to trade out of 11, because they didn't want to add a guaranteed contract for a guy that they really didn't necessarily want. They didn't want to draft somebody just to draft somebody, and they leveraged it into getting rid of Walker's contract. It's smart business. They've done a very nice job here of putting themselves. Listen, I thought Rose had a terrible offseason last year. I really did. I Mm. thought he kind of believed in a team that maybe didn't earn him believing in and that, you know, a lot of what they did the year before being a four seed was smoke and mirrors. We know that. By the same token, he backed himself out of it this year. And, yes, the Randall extension still looms, and that's a little bit of an issue. And they're going to have to figure out what to do there. The Fournier contract was a bad contract. They're still stuck with him for two more years. By the same token, for what he's done in the last week, he kind of deserves the benefit of the doubt. Let's see where this goes over the course of the next three or four days. Because I will tell you, I think the Knicks will get Jalen Brunson, and I don't think this is going to be the Knicks' only significant move. They are determined, from everything I hear and the people I talk to, the Knicks are determined to come back next year with a different look of this roster. Well, uh, that's why this Brunson move, and that's why fans, you know, maybe they get too overboard and they see the dollar figures and they think, well, this is the big splash. No, Jalen Brunson is a piece of the puzzle, and that puzzle is far from complete. So everything that you're saying about them continuing to go out there and bring in another big fish, I'm right there with you. Now, we saw Murray today, or at least according to the reports, he's going to go from San Antonio to Atlanta there, and Atlanta sends a whole bunch of draft choices. Knicks had draft choices there. Do you think that that was a big opportunity that they let miss if you brought Murray in here and completely over, you know, transformed your backcourt with these two new guys? Listen, Dan, I would have loved to see them bring in Murray. I really would have. I think it would have been great for this team. I think he would have been a terrific fit. Him and Brunson in a backcourt together. You slide Barrett over to three. He's a wonderful defensive player. Led the league in steals last year. Had his first all-star appearance. Guy can play. and he, He's really good. With that said... Realize this, Atlanta gave up two unprotected picks in 25 and 27. That, you know, unprotected picks. And yes, and I tweeted this out earlier tonight, one of the picks Atlanta sent was the pick the Knicks sent to Atlanta, Charlotte's protected pick in 23 that they got Cam Reddish for, which hurts a little for the Knicks that they used and picked the Knicks traded them to be able to go get uh, Murray. But the fact is, Cam, you look at this, unprotected picks are what buried the nets with that Celtics deal. Unprotected mm-hmm. picks are very, very dangerous. So I would not, I don't blame Leon Rose if he wasn't willing to step up with some of the Knicks own draft picks and making them unprotected for DeJounte Murray. And I like DeJounte Murray. He's a very good player. Don't get me wrong. And I think he's going to do a heck of a job for Atlanta. They have a nice combination with him and Trey Young, but I, I'm not willing to beat up on Leon Rose over the fact that he wasn't willing to give up unprotected picks. And in the end, what did the Spurs do? They picked Atlanta's unprotected picks over the Knicks' protected picks. And that's okay. But just because it wasn't Murray doesn't mean that those picks can't be functional to go get somebody else. Keep in mind, they still have Rose's expiring deal of $15 million. And I know Tom loves Rose. But if that can help you with picks to upgrade in a spot and get yourself – and Philly for the Knicks is at any position. You know, right. and, and center, granted, is probably going to be Mitchell Robinson. From what I'm hearing – that's probably going to get done around four years, $60 million. He'll be back. But any other position, go get a guy. Vicks just need players right now. And they're still, even without getting DeJounte Murray, they're still well-positioned 
to go make this roster better with all those draft picks that Leon Rose just grabbed last week. The other possibility that I've been throwing out there the last couple of days, you know, just talking about what things could look like and this team and its makeup. I think Julius Randle's an X factor here, BG, because and I'm not saying that he has to go back to the guy from two years ago when he was all NBA and he was a stud and everything was going through him and, you know, the fans with the MVP chance and stuff. But you also don't expect a guy who looked as disengaged as he did for much of the season last year. How convinced are you or how confident are you that the Julius Randle we get this upcoming season is going to be that guy who was more reminiscent of the one who was all NBA a couple of years ago? Um, I, I think we probably land somewhere in between, Dan. I don't I think that Randall had a career year that year. I, Tom was wonderful for his career, but Julius Randall also got full of himself. He kind of decided he was a bigger star than he actually was. Um, he signed that, that contract extension, got a lot of security, and just wasn't as hungry a guy out there. And then when things didn't go right for him, the attitude that he showed was not exactly a team-first attitude. So all of those things kind of factor in here to what went on with Randall last season. Listen, if the Knicks get the right kind of offer for Randall, they're going to take it. Like, they're not going to sit with him if they can move him and get someone else in at any other position that they think is better. I will tell you this. As good as Toppin played in the last 10 games of the season, they're not as high on Toppin as I think they once were. Toppin's defensive deficiencies and his lack of willingness to be a defensive rebounder has turned off a lot of people in the Knicks brass, and he's got a big prove-it year ahead of him, and it's going to be hard to prove it if Randall's there. So there's a lot to watch there. Listen, when it comes to Julius Randall, one of the issues the Knicks are having right now is that in trade talks, and and by the way, Indiana's in the same position with Malcolm Brogdon. Leon Rose is trying to treat Randall as a trade asset. The reality is a lot of teams are looking at his salary as a liability, and that's going to be a gap that's going to make it much harder for Julius Randle to be dealt. So I think, you know, and I do think, as I said earlier with Brunson, Brunson's ability to play off of Randle makes him valuable to Knicks. And I think the Knicks, unless they can get a deal that they feel is an upgrade from Randle, I think they understand and they're content with coming back with Julius Randle as a starting power forward next season. A couple of more minutes with Brian Geltziler of NBA Radio here on 98.7. Um, let's go over to Brooklyn here for a second. Kyrie, a genius, right? He took $36 million instead of $6 million and realized there was nothing else better for him out there, so he's going to be different and come back to Brooklyn, so he says. What is the final chapter this year for the Nets, in your opinion? Is this going to work, or will it combust just like the last few seasons have? I, you know, maybe I'm the eternal optimist, Dan. Yeah. I don't think it's going <laughs> to work. I really do. You know what? When they did this, just let's go back to when they did this in the summer of 19. They made a decision. We're going to sign Durant and Irving, all right, with the understanding that Durant is not going to play in the first year, okay? The first year was a stub year. It was a three-year plan. We're two years into a three-year plan. Kyrie opting in was the perfect scenario for the Nets because if he now comes out and plays 65 or 70 games and he plays 65 or 70 games, he's going to be great because he's great. He's a great basketball player. Let's not forget that. And all of Kyrie's craziness and nonsense, and I don't want to get vaccinated, and I'm not showing up for two weeks after January 6th, anything you want to throw in there with Kyrie, he's still a great player. So when he's out on the floor, it's going to be worth it. And for the Nets, if they can get him out on the floor, and their big reluctance with him was, we can't get you out on the floor. 
If they can get him out on the floor, I still think the whole thing has potential to work. And the upside is going to the finals and winning a championship. They have enough talent. They're good enough to do that. I don't buy this. Kyrie opted in. He's going to ask out in the trade. I mean, this whole Laker thing, this, the, I know, in a week full of bluffs by both the Nets and Kyrie Irving, there was no bigger bluff, Dan, than Kyrie's going to go play for the Lakers for $6 million in a mid-level exception. Pull this leg in and place jingle bells. Come on. He was never doing that, Dan. So he's there. Durant's going to be there. And if the Nets screwed any of this up, it's because they may have alienated Durant a little bit. But what makes all that better? Let's everybody get together and win some basketball games and make a playoff run. And that's going to heal things. I don't think Kyrie causes a ton of trouble this year. I think Kyrie, in his own way, has been sufficiently humbled here. And I do think that he's going to be more engaged in what happens with this team. Not because he wants to do that for the Nets, because I think he has something to prove himself. And I think it was a little bit of a wake-up call that he gave a wish list and the teams on that wish list said, hey, you know what, we have to wait and see before we're willing to step up and offer you a max deal. And, and listen, it wasn't about max money. They were willing to offer him max money. It's, it's the years. Kyrie wants a full you know, right. five-year extension and the fact is, is no one's going to give him five years unless he proves he's willing to show up. The Nets, they're in the pole position here. If Kyrie comes out and does that for them, there's no reason they're not going to do that. The thing the Nets have to be really careful of here is the understanding that they never would have had Kevin Durant if Kyrie Irving didn't bring Kevin Durant to them. So you have to be real. And one of the things that's upset Durant here is this whole concept, and the Nets have bit the hand that feeds him a little bit. He's felt like Kyrie has maybe deserved a little more respect than what he's gotten from the Nets in spite of what he's put the Nets through and put everyone through. So they have to be very careful in how they balance that. But for the Nets, they essentially, this season becomes a do-over of this whole arrangement. Yeah, hopefully you have Simmons back for an entire year, and Simmons should be a great fit with Kyrie and Durant. And I think the Nets are going to be really aggressive and really active over the course of next week in doing some things to try to upgrade this roster. I don't think Joe Harris is going to start next year on this team. I think they're going to find somewhere, a team that wants him, and find another piece that they believe fits better. I'll tell you something else very interesting about the Nets, Dan, that I think Mm -hmm. you want to keep an eye on. The DraftKings betting odds earlier this week, the Nets were sitting at like a plus 4,000 for DeAndre to get DeAndre Ayton. Out of nowhere, they went to a plus 350. And really? And second behind the Suns as the favorites to get DeAndre Ayton. Now, that could be one of two things. Either A, somebody in Vegas or with DraftKings is in the know of something going on with the Nets and Ayton, or B, there was a big bet that came in that drove those numbers in that direction. But that's something to keep an eye on. Vegas has the Nets as a major player for DeAndre Aiden. I don't have any intel on that to know if they are or they aren't, but it, to me it bears watching. It certainly bears watching. I wasn't aware of that. And BG's always on top of this stuff. I'll say this, though, and you know that I love you. There's a better chance that I play 70 games this year for the Brooklyn Nets than Kyrie Irving does. I'm just saying that. <laughs> I, I Listen, I get it. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Danny. What yeah. if it's 60? What if it's sixty, right? It's it's. He, I can't. I don't even know if I could go there. I don't even know if I could go there because you know why, BG? Real quick, I just and I've been saying this, and I still believe this. I do not think that basketball is his number one priority. I just don't. Um. Listen. Yeah, you're right to a certain extent, and I say that because he tells you that you're right to a certain extent. There are more important things than basketball. We hear from Kyrie Irving all the time, right? But I will also say this, this was a gut punch to him a little bit. You know what, he, he, he likes being considered a great basketball player. You know, Kyrie, Kyrie loves the fact that he's the only guy in the NBA that ever with a game-winning shot 
uh, in, in, a, in Game 7 on NBA Finals on the road. Only guy in the mm-hmm. NBA has ever done that. And, you know, Kyrie loves that stuff. And now his – And he wanted off the team. And he wanted away from LeBron James after And he wanted that. off that team. That's correct. Which is yep. why what makes all the stuff about him going to the Lakers crazy. So Durant and him are close friends, right? He's going to leave Durant. And Kyrie loves – that's the other thing about Kyrie and the Nets. He loves living home. Kyrie's happier now than he's ever been as an NBA player. Why? Because he's able to live in his, the town he grew up in, surrounded by his family and all his friends, and he's, he's visible in the community, and he loves it. Like, so that stuff, but to me, for Kyrie, this gets crystallized a little bit. I have faith in him as a basketball player, and frankly, if, there's, if he has any edge at all, if he has any competitive type of drive in him, He's going to want to come out and prove something to not only the Nets, but all these other teams that didn't think he was worthy of the contract that he thought he was worthy of. It's going to be interesting to see how this unfolds. And certainly with that eight news, that's going to be uh, interesting to watch as well. BG, always great stuff, my friend. Appreciate a couple of minutes. Have yourself a great fourth holiday and uh, stay busy. I'm sure it's going to be fun over the next couple of days. You know what they say, Danny, busier than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. But loving every minute of it, bud. It's always my pleasure. You need me, you reach out, pal, and we'll talk, all right? You Thanks be good, so bud. Appreciate it as all always. Right, There's Brian Geltzeiler here on Sirius XM NBA Radio. You're listening to the Dan Grasso Show podcast on 98.7 ESPN.